I make no apologies for recording this sermon rather than doing it live. The reason is I want to give you a visual illustration of hope to see where so many people are at in their understanding of hope. It is tough at the moment and we feel that we're in a constant rainstorm. It's dark and depressing. We feel we just cannot get out. And rather than living in hope, it's very easy to live in fear and disillusionment, depression, wondering when will this all be over. The people I speak to are very aware of the present circumstances. We're living in challenging times. It can so easily rob us of the hope that we have. All around us there are people who are afraid of Covid, suffering from Covid, or the conditions that Covid has actually created. Loss of income, being on furlough, loss of jobs, uncertainty of the future. There are those with, who have lost their medical appointments. Just this last week I was speaking to a minister who was meant to have stem cell treatment. It's been delayed another two months because the hospitals are full. Add to this the pressure of homeschooling, living 24-7 with your partner. Mental health issues are rife. I was just talking to a pastor uh, last week, someone you might actually know, someone called Ewan Huffman, who used a phrase in the conversation which is so real for so many people, so many of us. A spiritual aloneness, he said. That we're dealing with everything spiritually alone in our own homes. And how much we miss being together, sharing together, exploring the spirit together, allowing the spirit to speak and move amongst us. And into all this, Matt said, Nigel, can you preach on hope? I can, but it's going to be really tough if we try to rely on our own strength or on the hope that the world sees as being hope. But it'll be very different if we seek the Spirit of God and allow the Spirit of God to guide us and infill us, in fact, to saturate us. At the moment, all that we can do is trust and rely on God. I don't know about you, but the current restrictions have been like a punch to us. As a couple, Sarah and I, had planned to go to visit our children at the beginning of December to, to see them, have an early Christmas with them. But then they went into Tier 4. And then we went into Tier 4. And then the government very kindly said that we can visit them at Christmas. Well, why would we want to make a 430 mile round trip for one day to see two of the three of our children? Frustrated and discouraged by the situation, it seemed like there was a rain cloud over us, like it is now, a darkness that happens to creep into our lives, a sense of discouragement. I don't know about you, but have you felt that way? Discouraged, disheartened, overwhelmed, especially with the constant bad news that's in, in the media. And that shadow of discouragement so easily can ebb into our spirits and make us low. But I have felt, and maybe you have felt it well, so, uh, as well, that perhaps our hope has been misplaced. It's putting our hope in a set of circumstances that did not warrant it. And I have uh, come to realise that that was the source of my disappointment. And there is a point that we do not need to accept the rain clouds of today, but be allowed to refocus on God and allow His Spirit to move in our lives, to saturate us by His Spirit, so we can see a hope in a very different light and to be able to return to him and say, God, what are you saying to us by your spirit at this time? There's a great saying that says, life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. 
maybe we need to learn to dance in the rain. But it's very easy to simply turn things round. And I'm going to do that now. That's better. I haven't really moved. All I've done is turn around the camera from looking out into the garden in the rain, into the dry, into something that I'm comfortable with. And that's what we need to do with hope. For hope is one of those things we cling on to when we want a certain outcome so often. It's a powerful word. In normal times we might say we would like to get a, a have hope that we might win the ballot to get the Wimbledon tickets we want. Or hope that we might be able to get away to enjoy a holiday with our children. Or we hope that our employer will notice our hard work and that we might get a wage increase or even promotion. I was in a shop just this week when someone went uh, forward in front of me with their shopping basket. They unloaded their shopping basket, went through the checkout and then it, the price came of how much he had to pay. And he was very conscious. He it looked like he didn't have enough money. And so he asked for certain items to be taken back. And so they did that. And they were able to hand over the cash, which left him £10. Why? Because he wanted to buy lottery tickets. And he saw that's where he could have his hope, based on a possibility of winning the lottery. And hope is one of those words that carries that real sense of expectancy. It can get us excited it can get us on our tiptoes and we peer into the future for a resolution or answer to desired hope. That lottery win or a dream of what might be. Hope is also a word that engenders warm, fuzzy feelings of happiness. It's a nice word, isn't it? It's a, hope is a great word for birthday cards or Christmas cards. We hope that you will have a lovely Christmas. We hope that you will have a wonderful birthday. It also works well with political campaigns and we've often seen those campaigns on the billboards or t-shirts. I just want you to look at these uh, illustrations now of what's been going on because even uh, we've had a lot of American politics in our, uh, in our news over the last couple of weeks and even Joe Biden ran under the slogan, hope not fear. Just look at these different political slogans. In America, Joe Biden ran under the theme of hope over fear. Margaret Thatcher, just don't hope for a better life, vote for one. That was also taken by Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP. Don't just hope for a new future for Scotland, vote for one. Political slogans, hope doesn't just belong to the politics, it belongs to us as well. But if we dig deeper, we realise it actually is more than a warm, fuzzy feeling. The Bible says it's completely different. For when we understand and explore the biblical meaning of hope, it's, is it not a confidence? Is it not a sort of expecting confidence in the one who we have put our ultimate faith? And it's an understanding that God wants his very best for us. And we just simply need to trust him. Hope is actually one of the strongest words in all of scripture. In fact, it's one of the words that the New Testament uses to describe the people of God. And Paul captures this, uh, not just in the reading that we've had, uh, but also in another chapter in this same letter, in chapter 8. Listen to what he says to his friends at Rome. We're going through some tough times. We'll come back to that in a minute. And he says this, uh, reading from verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. 
Creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself be liberated from bondage to decay, brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to be sons, to be children, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who has hope for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that the words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. You see that our hope is not grounded or rooted in circumstances, trends or even preferred outcomes. It can't be because those things will let us down time and time again. Our hope actually transcends all those things as, a, as our hope as followers of Jesus Christ is rooted in and grounded in the very foundation of hope itself. God, the person and the work of God himself. That is where our hope lies especially when we don't understand all the details of how this is going to work out. That's where faith comes in and we trust him. We trust and believe even though it might seem a bit mysterious. Paul writes a, a letter to one of the other churches in Corinth and in that great love passage, he concludes with these words. He says, Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we, we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know fully even if I am full as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. It's a case that we're having to believe in a, that God's heart is towards us, even though we don't understand all the details of working out this hope. It's trusting that heart, that heart of love of God, uh, that he will fill us with his spirit, and that engenders a sense of hope that, uh, he knows that we know that he loves us and he cares for us and he has a plan for us and he wants to walk alongside us. Not only in everyday circumstances, but in the difficult times as well, like we're experiencing at the moment. Biblical hope is not some kind of pie in the sky, warm, fuzzy platitude. Biblical hope is actually grounded in the nitty gritty of everyday life. Paul's friends in Rome who received this letter weren't having it easy. They weren't in a nice, comfortable suburb of a nice city that they were able to worship without fear. They were going through a difficult time. They were a persecuted minority sect in the Roman Empire. They weren't tolerated very well. They often found themselves feeling very stressful, very anxious. They probably, like us, would rather lock down and stay safe. Paul was writing into these circumstances. He knew that there were those who were being imprisoned, those who were being disowned by family and friends because of their loyalty to Christ. Some of them were being tortured for their faith. 
some martyred for their allegiance to Jesus. And that was the daily reality of the people of Rome to which Paul was writing. Here in the book of, of uh, this letter of Rome. And what he does, in the midst of knowing all their suffering, knowing all that they're going through, knowing that they're going through the storms of life, he still offers this, this, this passage in Romans 15. He still offers them a motto, a slogan, or something that can keep them going. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. They were dealing with all the suffering, the pain, and the frustration, and the sadness. And Paul gives them the bedrock to live by. I repeat again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow by the hope in the power of the Spirit. There's no accident in the Old Testament reading, which was a very short uh, uh, reading from uh, the Psalms. If you read the rest of the Psalm, the Psalmist was in exactly the same position. Going through a tough time, when he was going through the tough time, he was able to turn back to God and see him as the God of hope. That is what's been called of us. Paul isn't offering this letter and these words of hope as a gushy hallmark card greeting. He's not offering it as a platitude. He's offering it as a prayer from a pastor's heart that they will embrace it to become the people of hope in the midst of the dark and difficult circumstances. That their hope is not placed in those circumstances which will rob them of the hope but they were actually placed in God himself. And joy and peace, which are the byproducts of having that hope, will occur when we believe that God's love for us is to allow us to have that hope that rises up within us, a hope that can grow and overflow. And when we have that overflowing hope, will come that peace, that deep inner peace, and that sense of joy that God is in control. That we'll be hoping not for the things that we want, but the things that God would want to give us and allow us the spirit to distinguish between the two. We're to prepare, pray for uh, God to speak into the outcome. We're called to pray uh, in hope that our government will get a grip of everything. And please pray for the doctors, the nurses, the medical staff, those behind the scenes, the scientists, the government officials, who are trying to work out those processes. We might disagree with them, but they're trying their best to do what they can. We should be praying for them in these difficult decisions that they have to make to stem the tide of this horrible virus. But we should be praying that there should be a solution. But we cannot place our hope in them because they can't bear the weight of that. There is only one person we can uh, bear the weight of our hope and he is the source of hope himself and he wants to fill us through his spirit that sense of hope even on the days especially on the day when it seems pretty dark and difficult our father wants us to fill us with a hope as he's done for children his children throughout the millennium and beyond and if you want to read something about that, that some homework for you read Hebrews 11. Uh, we had a part of that reading last week and Ray very kindly touched on that. 
Hebrews 11 is called the, often called the Hall of the Fame of Faith. It is a litany of men and women who down through the years have persevered in their hope and their faith and their trust in God, even through very difficult circumstances. So take some time and be strengthened in your faith and be encouraged by reading uh, the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Meditate on it through this week or at any time you feel there's a shadow of darkness and discouragement or hopelessness. Be encouraged by the way that they found hope, how they persevered, and that biblical hope does give us strength to persevere and to keep going, to have that hope that transcends all the circumstances of the day. And he does not want us to fill us with a hope that is does not have an outcome. That we have a hope that means something. I did actually ask uh, Matt whether I could actually have that as the passage I could preach on because there is so much in it, but also for another reason, because it, when I was at college many, many years ago, it was one of those uh, things we had to do. We had to do a thing called sermon class. And what we, you were given a passage to preach on, you had to stand up in front of the whole college, you preached to the college, and then they would do a critique of your sermon. And uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 was the passage that was given to me. And uh, I don't know, I got slated for it. Um, people didn't like my sermon uh, but it was one that God gave me and it was very much on my heart and I felt called when I went to my first church to preach with a view I felt called to preach that very same sermon and I did and I was called into the ministry at uh, Cambridge at St Andrew Street it's a great it's a great uh, beginning it says now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see I think it was Galileo that started uh, building telescopes and he would look up into the sky and he knew that he could see so many stars with the naked eye. When he built the first telescope he could see that there were more stars than he could see with his naked eye. And he hoped and he had faith that there would be more, even more. So he built a bigger telescope and saw even more stars. And he built another telescope and saw even more stars and he just realised that actually there were far more. He hoped, what he hoped for came to reality but he still had to carry on working to try and find more and more. And hope is like that. We, hope continues. When we get to the end of our hope for a particular item and it arrives and we, we deal with it, it's then hoping what next. And God wants us to hope uh, in him. And yes, we might not understand what that is at the moment, uh, but things will be made clear to us. Uh, when I was, uh, had a proper job and I was working, I used to work in a weaving shed in Wellington at Fox Brothers. And it was quite interesting that you had the looms and you had the warp and the weft and uh, the shuttlecock was going across and it just seemed to be a massive, you just didn't know what it was about. And you think, why is this thread going across at this point? And what, what's the significance of this other thread and this other colour? And you didn't know until you get round to the other side of the loom and see this amazing intricate pattern that had been designed. Sometimes we will see that in the future. We don't understand what we're doing now. But it will happen at one point, even if it were, it's when we're in heaven, we'll look back and see this incredible design that God has created. But what we're called to do is trust and simply have hope in him at this time. And as I come to the end of the sermon, I don't want to go on and on and on. Um, but I want us to, for us to ground our hope in him. And not allow the circumstances of today or tomorrow to rob us of that hope. That deny us of the daily blessing. 
And I think there are points where we just need to stop and say, and look at our lives and look at our days and see how God has continued to bless us. It might be a word that has been said, it might be an image on a walk, it might be a telephone conversation. And again, I love giving homework, so I'm going to give you some more homework. Why don't you just pick one or two people, maybe even three, if you want to do it every day to a different person, that's fine. Just phone up and encourage them in the hope to find out what they're going through and know that there's someone praying for them. And I encourage you to do that this week, because there will be those who are discouraged and disheartened and feeling dark and feeling very alone spiritually and physically. And just that one phone call can make all the difference. May they be filled with the hope that God can fill you with as well. May you be open to the Holy Spirit guiding and leading you. And may the Spirit move us into a hope that is so significant that it will just overflow into other people's lives. May God bless you in this coming week. And may you be filled with his hope. Let me pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you are always with us in the bad times as well as the good, the difficult as well as the easy, the sad as well as the happy. We know at times it's been like walking through mud at the moment, with so many restrictions upon us. We don't have to look far to realise that the world is suffering, and the world is searching for hope. Sometimes it does seem like there's a huge stairway that we have to climb, and we come to you seeking guidance. We seek the fulfilment of your spirit. Your spirit will guide us in the path that we have to travel. We know, Lord, to do that, we need to stop and look and listen and spend time with you, to gaze upon you and allow your spirit to move amongst us. Lord, we pray we may be able to do that, so we may experience the hope that only you can give the hope, the peace and the joy. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.